this one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Oh! The 0-2 swing and a miss. Struck him out. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Dobbert, coming at you with another episode after a pretty disastrous Phillies loss as they come back home, open up a two-game set with the Toronto Blue Jays, and it was just about the ugliest game you could have imagined as the Phillies, I guess, try to try to figure things out in September, get things back on track. They're still in a position for a playoff spot as of now, but it's not really looking great. Even if even if they, they manage to stay in the spot, it's not the encouraging September, the the September to differentiate differentiate this team from some of the teams of years past uh, that the fans and the team were hoping for. So I think we're gonna have to get into just the state of the Phillies right now, where the panic meter is at, is at, and just everything that went wrong in that game on Tuesday. So, as always, I have my co-host, Nathan Ackerman, to join me. Nathan, what did you think of this opening game against the Toronto Blue Jays? You know, there was a point in the fifth inning of that game. It was 7-5. to five. The Phillies had scored four runs in the fifth. And they had runners on first and second with nobody out. And you were kind of at a point where the one thing I will give this team this this year is that generally when they go super cold for several games at a time, they generally turn it around pretty fast. Okay. So it's seven to five. They've scored four runs in the in the fifth. Two more men on with nobody out. And you're at a point where you say, if they can win this game that they should not have won. It was seven to one at one point, obviously. If they can win that game, that's the kind of game where you could see, especially for this team, the way that they've turned things around generally this season, why that game could ignite, say, a 10 and five stretch to close out the season. Something that would have people feeling really good. Even though they had lost four straight, that's the kind of win against a good team at home in front of the home crowd if you know well in front of what was there of the home crowd it obviously wasn't a packed stadium but yeah but so you're at a point where you're saying this could be the start of something they just have to come through here win this game whatever instead somebody flies out and then bryson stott lines into a eight let's see eight six double play eight four where harper was like 20 feet off the bag and it was just amazing because They'd scored four runs in the fifth. They'd made it a ball game and they still found a way to make it feel like a disappointment. And that was the moment when it was like, oh man, this is not good. It wasn't when they were down seven, one, it wasn't when they lost 18 to 11. It was at that point where they still made that feel bad. And they could have taken that point and just run with it and closed out the season super hot because that was something that, that, that you could theoretically conceive in that, in that spot. Instead, they make it hurt. They go on to lose that game. It's not even competitive. By the end of the game, Stubbs is on the mound in the ninth. And it's just another perplexing, like, how do they manage to do this year in and year out? We can get to some of that later on. 
but it was just the one thing that you could hang your hat on was that they generally turn things around pretty fast. And that was a moment where you felt like they would. And they made it as brutal as possible and then lost the game by seven runs. And the offense yeah. finally wakes up and they still get blown out of the water. So yeah. brutal I think, game. Yeah. I, I think you're almost like underselling that play too. Like the reason it was so deflating was that Bryce Harper's on second base and this is just like a soft line out to center field. Dude, and he, he, com- he completely takes off and just runs to third. He catches center fielder, catches the ball throws it to second base and he's out by a lot just a completely like they did it to themselves harper just running off the base for no reason getting getting too far off one of i don't know maybe a million base running mistakes that he's had since throwing in the phillies for all yeah. for all the good that he's done like these base running mistakes kind of i don't know they deflate the team the team at, at some yeah. points where it sometimes thinks I think I've made this point on this show before what he tries to run the bases like he's this 19 year old guy that he used to be when he first came up and he like doesn't play the same style he's not as quick as he used to be he's had some like leg injuries knee problems he's bigger now like it, it just doesn't work anymore he runs himself mm-hmm. in the outs more than anything and that like you said that was one of those moments where it felt like all right, like maybe they salvage a win here and it feels really good based on how it started. And it's like, oh, wow, this feels, yeah, it felt worse because they even managed to bring themselves back into it a little bit. It, it felt like they were going to also because you and I have talked about on this pod how the last like four episodes that we've done, they'll do something for a week, like win every game for a week. And then right when we're about to pod, they go and lose a like six to one game. That's not a competitive ball game at all. And this felt like the opposite. They were super cold. We were going to hop on this pod and just rant about how the Phillies, you know, are blowing it again. But, oh, the last one before we pod, they're going to win this game where they're down 7-1 and then they come back. And it's a feel-good thing. And it, like, ruins the whole tone of the pod. So, I guess they wanted not to ruin the flow of the podcast. But it was just, like, yeah. it was one of those It was one of those spots where... They, they were doing us would, a solid. Dude, yeah. It was like you would you'd almost you'd almost rather score three runs in that spot than score four runs and have the inning end the way that it did. Like, I, I don't, I think, I, I don't even know if that's like a joke. Like, I, I think that all, honestly would have felt better for the team and it would have felt like they were actually putting something, you know, making something out of that game. And it was just the way that it ended. Like from that, from that spot, you knew that they, that they were going to lose. Yeah. It was a two run game yeah. in the fifth. And, but that was, yeah, it was, it was brutal. Yeah, and I think the game yesterday, like you said, the offense came alive in a couple different spots. But the story of the game, other than, you know, that one base running mistake that kind of was the big deflating moment. But overall, the, the pitching was Brutal. was really, really bad. And it's kind of been like that for a little bit where the wheels are falling off with the bullpen a little bit. Connor Brockton hasn't looked good. Brad Hand finally is getting rocked after escaping for a long time where he was really good throughout the season despite allowing base runners and getting hit kind of hard, like gives up giving up the home run to, to Jackie Bradley Jr. Like that's lefty lefty home run to Jackie Bradley Jr. is is rough. 
that that is <laughs> that is rough. And then and Kyle Gibson in the start get got absolutely lit up and he's looked pretty bad lately. They demote Noah Syndergaard to the bullpen because Zach Wheeler's coming back. He's going to be pitching in tandem with Wheeler because Wheeler's not ramped up to go a normal start. And it just doesn't leave you in a spot where you're confident about the pitching right now, which was not exactly the case for most of the season. The bullpen looked really good for a long time throughout the summer. And, you know, just over the past few days, Sir Anthony Dominguez blows that game in Atlanta. Like I said, Brad Hand isn't didn't look sharp against the Blue Jays. Uh, just overall, it just leaves you in a spot where you're you're not exactly confident in basically any of the pitchers right now, except for like Bailey Falter and Jose Alvarado. Is that like? Super unfair to say. Zach Eflin looks okay. I know he gave yes. up two runs yesterday, but it was because let's see, Alec Bohm had a ball hit right to him that went into left field for a. I they called it a hit, I think, but it was yeah, really they called it. They called error. it. They called it a double, despite the fact that it went under Bohm's glove, and like then Schwarber like yeah. then Schwarber couldn't get to it in left field and allowed him to get to second. Dude, Bohm didn't have to move. Like it was, it was hit right at him. It wasn't like he was trying to backhand or you know field it out in front of like. Anyway, there was there was that play, and then there was the next play was a ball to Bryson Stott that he just couldn't. Th- the second time in that game, the first one, the first one was the second play of the game where he nailed a cameraman in the dugout with a throw, which made you really think that the homestand was off to a great start. So, yeah. and then the yeah. second one, the second one, it was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. running, and he tried to throw it on the run. He, he could have stopped and thrown it over, and he still would have been out by five feet. But well, and and that was that was the inning right after they gave they scored four runs, but left two more men on base, which was a deflating way to end that that frame. And then they allow those two errors, one of which was, I guess, a hit, kind of. And then yeah. and then Zach Eflin pitches out of it. He only allows one run, which is a nice job by him because actually he does look pretty good right now. But. It was again like you made it a seven five game. Now it's eight to five, and you're just playing bad baseball. And how can you feel encouraged by that? So, yeah, I don't know. We I think we've kind of beat a dead horse on this game because it was, it was just so bad. I have one more. I have one more thing on the game. Yeah, yeah. Ninth inning. So they end up losing eighteen to eleven, right? Yeah. But then in the ninth inning, with two outs, they already had scored a run, and. They had the bases loaded with two outs for Matt Veerling, right? Matt Veerling comes up. He ends the game. He gets out to end the game. What they couldn't do was pinch hit for Matt Veerling right there with somebody who crushes right-handed pitching, perhaps Mm. someone who, you know, hits a home run there. They're down three. It gets a little bit interesting. Derek Hall is not on this team. He's playing for the AAA Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Derek Hall, Paul Owens Award winner for best position player in the Philly system this year um, on the minor league side. Derek Hall is not on the team. He's with the Iron Pigs. Instead, they're rostering Donnie Sands. We talked about this last week when we recorded. Donnie Sands has not played since September 3rd. He has gone like 17 days without playing, without appearing in a game. They, they at least should have put him in to pitch when Stubbs came in and, and given Real Muto an inning off. Uh, because there's like no reason for Donnie Sands to be on the roster if he's not going to play. So they're wasting a roster spot while Derek Hall is in AAA. 
like you should you could have him in that spot where if he hits a home run he's your best shot to hit a home run in that spot that it's an interesting game again it's just like what about when when things are going bad like you can't also just be punting an entire roster spot get get someone who might be of use to the team in there and i think i think that there are situations where donnie Sands could be useful against left-handed pitching but they, they haven't used them in over two weeks it makes what no about, sense what about the top of the ninth inning on saturday against the braves where kenley jansen's on the on the mound leading off the ninth inning matt veerling who kit like is not hitting righties he's not really hitting anybody right now yeah that would be a nice spot for a guy who can hit a solo home run and yes we doesn't thought, make any sense. Think... what about not playing nick maton who yeah mashes left-handed uh sorry right-handed uh arms and he doesn't start on what was yesterday tuesday against tuesday. russ stripling instead veerling again starts in right he goes one for five like it's just why I don't get why they don't play Maton. Why is Hall not there? Why is Donnie Sands still in the roster if they're not going to use him? Yeah. This team doesn't I, make any sense. Like the way that yeah. they've been man. Why yes. is Kyle Schwarber still batting leadoff? Why? And I think some like the answer to that is like nothing's really going well except for JT Real Muto, who had five hits on Tuesday and has been like one of the best hitters in baseball in the second half. But in general, like things are just going really bad. There aren't a ton of right answers. So when that's the case, you can't also be wasting entire roster spots. I think it yeah. made sense when they when they made the call to send Derek Hall down. It was when Harper had just gotten back. There wasn't a path to a ton of playing time. I like the idea of you send him down to AAA, get him regular at-bats, and keep him fresh for like the stretch run in the playoffs. There's no point in keeping him fresh for the playoffs if you're going to end up like blowing your shot to make the playoffs like that, like you need to have your 26 best players in the majors right now or 28, sorry, because well, the roster is expanded. Maybe they were just waiting for a spot when their first baseman got hurt and you know, <laughs> Hall can only play first. So maybe they were, Oh, wait a second. No, Reese Hoskins did get injured. He missed several games and Derek Hall was not in the lineup, but dude, you got to keep an Alec Bohm who's, what a 700 OPS for the season ish in months, not named <laughs> July. Who's not been good in September. It's like the players have been bad in September. The management has been bad. <laughs> what is there to hang your hat on? It's, it's not. And it's like, there. it, it feels like for most of the season since Thompson took the job, it's been like, you can't, you can't criticize what he's done. He gets a pass because they were 22 and 29 when he, when uh, Girardi got fired and now they're 13 games over 500. They're in a playoff spot entering September. They're still in a playoff spot with two weeks left. Yeah. There have been some things here and there, but like, you can't really criticize him. The lineup management, the roster management, and I know that that's not all him, but it's largely him has not been good the last month or so. And like, are we allowed to not talk about that because he has a good record with the Phillies and he's a manager of the year candidate, I guess, because it just, it's, it's not been good. You said that they haven't made a, made a change in the leadoff spot because things have been bad. That's why you make a change in the leadoff spot. Like it feels like the, there doesn't have to be a perfect answer for you to realize that the current solution is not working. Like put JT there, put Bryson Stott there, put, 
somebody other than Kyle Schwarber who only is hitting homers right now. And I get it. He's hit 40 bombs on the season. Great. He's not getting on base. His He's not drawing walks like we know that he can. He's like hasn't been good in the leadoff spot. The offense gets nothing going when he's in the leadoff spot. Why is he still there? Why don't they hit him fifth? Where that would be a nice spot after Harper, JT, Hoskins maybe reach base for him to hit a three-run homer. But no, he's going to lead off the game with like maybe the occasional walk here and there. But overall, he's hitting what, 215? He's not drawing enough walks. The the Their OBP in leadoff spot this, this year is under 300. What are you, are you expecting some like random progression to the mean when there's two weeks left in the season and you're just like, oh, he's going to get hot, but we've been saying that since July? Like, what's the disconnect here? I don't understand it at all. At some point, you have to make a change for the sake of not just making a change, but like it can't possibly be any worse than this, but they're not doing that. So it doesn't, it's perplexing to me. I don't get why they keep on doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Yeah. And I think, like you said, there wasn't a lot talked about for a long time. And I think rightfully so about like decision-making here or there, because I think overall when Thompson took over, the biggest thing was just, kind of his role as like a vibes curator I guess just like keeping the vibes good right now they don't feel good even if even if the team is like insisting some of the players insisting that like everything's good and they gotta just stay confident or whatever it you can see in in just how they're playing it doesn't look the vibes don't look great Mm -hmm. when you're when you're making some of the mistakes that they have recently and losing games in the way that they have recently, it doesn't, it doesn't look great. <laughs> yeah. It, it, even I, if, I even wonder, if you're just making a change to like switch things up a little bit and hope, I don't know that you can just after, after Tuesday night's loss, just shake things up and make it different. Like, yeah, yeah it can't look, it can't just be trotting the same thing out there every day. Yeah, I want to make a couple points about the vibes and how like Matt Gallup wrote in the athletic about what Kyle Gibson, I think, said Schwarber said about how we can't feel like the walls are closing in around us because we haven't given up anything yet. Namely, they're still in a playoff spot. And sure. However, there are two points I want to make about that. The the, the first is that to collapse in September to me entails missing the playoffs, right? They're not collapsing right now. They're just playing really bad baseball and losing a, a lot of games. Congratulations that the Brewers are t- are terrible. Like congratulations that you haven't given up a, given up a playoff spot because the team you're competing with is not good and has also lost three straight and has blown a bunch of games and is just not a good team that should be contending for a playoff spot. Congratulations. But the fact that they've been this bad this month, like what confidence does that give you when say 2023 rolls around and they enter September with a four game lead on a wild card spot or a four game lead in the East if they're at that point yet, which that's not going to happen, but whatever. What confidence does this year give you that sure they made the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, let's say that they do sure they made it because they entered the month of September in a good enough spot where they could play 500 to slightly 500 ball and still make it because the brewers are terrible they're not collapsing this month yet they haven't collapsed yet they're still two and a half games up on the third wild card spot 
effectively three, three and a half, however you want to call it with the tiebreaker. But it's a fifth consecutive year of bad baseball in the most crucial month of the season. What confidence does that give you that moving forward, September or not, this group has figured out how to be a winning baseball team and how to win games that matter. They keep on trying to say, oh, it's not happening this year because we're still in, in a playoff spot. They might make the playoffs still. And then they're going to say, look, we we broke this string of four consecutive Septembers where you know we collapse. It's like, no, you, you didn't collapse because you made the playoffs. You're a third wild card. Congratulations again on making a spot that was only granted this year because that that you're only making the playoffs because of a spot that was granted this year. You're one and a half games back of the Padres and you'd be out of the playoff spot if this was 2022 or any year in the past. But it's a fifth consecutive year where they give you no faith to believe that they know how to win games and that they know how to hold on to playoff spots and that they know how to play good baseball down the stretch. What confidence does that give you in the long-term outlook of this team? I don't want to hear the whole, they haven't given up a playoff spot, therefore it's not collapsing. We need to keep on keep on keeping on because they're still in a playoff. Like, no, they're doing it again. It's it's happening again. It's already happened again. They're like 500 this month. I think maybe a game under or if you go back to the start of the Diamondbacks set, which was at the end of August, they're definitely a few games under 500. It's happening again, Tyler. It's, it's happening again. They might make the playoffs. The 11-year drought might end. The collapse streak might end. But the horrible baseball in the most important month of the season is certainly not over. And that gives me no faith about the long-term outlook of this team. Yeah, and I think this, I think what you're saying right now, it, it's true. And it also pretty much aligns with a point you made earlier about the home crowd. And there's not that many people in the stadium right now. And like you mentioned, this is the same way it's gone since like 2018 and they can, the Phillies can view themselves as not the same as the 2018 Phillies, but as far as the end of the season performance, they're playing the same way. Mm-hmm. that they have um since since then and i think that it's you can't have it both ways where even if you do like back into this playoff spot you the team can't also be like shocked when people aren't all the way bought in mm-hmm. and when it's been the same way every year for like half a decade now and it looks the same way right now I, I don't understand how they can also wonder like why people aren't showing up to the park when yep. this is the, the product they're going to get. Like it's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't instill confidence in no. like the fan base whatsoever. Yeah. And it, I think it like, it also does go both ways where at the beginning of the season, if you asked Phillies fans, if, if the Phillies just break this, break this streak, even with, this extra spot, would you take a third wild card spot? I think everyone would have said yes. Like they would, not everyone, but most people would have said, yeah, that's a successful season. That's a good outcome. We, that's what we would take. We would, we would accept that, go into, go into the playoffs, see what they can do. But I think even if that was the case, then I think it changes a little bit when you saw like the spot they were in at in mid August, Mm -hmm. uh even where up until not that long ago they were like pretty solidly in the second wild card position they were playing good baseball and and now they're just like not doing that and it's it's different when you 
stumble backwards into the third playoff spot if they're able to hold on to it because mm-hmm. other teams aren't playing that well. I I don't think it's it's exactly like you said. Just because you don't miss the playoffs doesn't mean you didn't really like. You haven't changed the narrative. Yeah, you, yeah, you you you, yeah. you haven't changed the narrative at all. Just because there just because there was some extra cushion, that doesn't mean you didn't fall apart in September, which yeah. is going to, which is going to, like people are gonna remember that. It's what how they've remembered every season since the Phillies became like somewhat playoff contenders. Yeah, starting in, in twenty eighteen. Yeah, it's just yeah. same story again. Mm-hmm. a lot of different a lot of different players, but. It's been it's been the same way. Yeah. It's, it's it's almost like it's almost hard to believe that it's that it's going this way again. For as much as we we talked about it, how it felt different and I don't know maybe three pods ago like how good the vibes were. We were suggesting that maybe they should not win as many games as we thought they were going to. And then but then when they when they listened to us then we realized, "Eh, maybe when yeah. you start losing it's kind of hard to to stop the losing." Yeah, I changed my <laughs> mind. Another point I wanted to make about that, all the vibe stuff. What about this? Let's say they make the playoffs. Okay, let's say they they stumble backwards into a playoff spot. What about it will be fun? Because the month of September has sucked, right? They're going to get the sixth seed, probably. They're going to go to the playoffs, play a two-game set in Atlanta or St. Louis or wherever, probably lose it not play a home game when the season's over the one day that will be fun is the day that they clinch if there's a day that they clinch that will be the only day that'll be fun because it'll be oh my goodness the 11-year drought's finally over they're in the playoffs and even that day they might lose that day so that wouldn't be all that fun either because you wouldn't get the on-field thing you just get oh the brewers lost again probably like their 12th straight loss so now we're in the playoffs it's like it's a playoff chase and it's a playoff chase that they might quote-unquote win but it's like the least enjoyable playoff chase I can possibly imagine because nothing about it will be fun and they probably won't get a home game. Like, yeah. it doesn't feel like a real thing. It feels like yes. next year they're yeah. going to be trying to break the playoff drought again, even though they made the playoffs this yeah. year. If they and that, make the playoffs like, this year. I don't know. There is, there is certainly a world where, like, depending when they get in, if they can rest guys in, in Houston in the last series, like, I don't know, maybe they have Zach Wheeler ready to go and Aaron Nola lined up for two games and they just happen to win it. And everything we say now looks dumb. Like, it's certainly possible. But what is more likely is what you said, where it just, like, feels like a waste, where they kind of stumble into this spot, stumble back in the standings, and then they go into a wild card series and they lose without playing at home. And I think like the feeling about it is also like some of the concerns that I had when they announced this playoff expansion, where I think a lot of people, like some of the common thought is that people like, Oh, it'll make like some of these good teams like go all in and uh, like at the deadline, like people will buy and like more teams in the hunt is good. But I think what we're seeing is it just feels like, more teams are in the hunt, but they don't actually feel like playoff teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the Phillies and the Brewers right now, they like don't feel like like real contenders at all. It, not for not for a World Series at least. They feel like they're on like a completely different landscape than some of the other teams. 
Um, yeah, I will say, I will say the Cardinals. Let me, let me, let me play a little game. Right. Runs per game by the Cardinals since September 4th. 204662744426510. Not a lot of runs is the point. If they get there and they play the Cardinals at Bush Stadium in a three-game set, Wheeler Nola can can go. They might have a chance. I think I'm down to if they play the Mets, which would take a lot of things to go right or I guess wrong. If they play the Mets, I think I would give them about a 0% chance to win that series. Like I'm fully I don't I'm not going to give them a single chance to win that. If they if they play the Braves in Atlanta, maybe 10%. Like I'm fully out on the whole oh, Wheeler Nola in a three-game series, anything can happen. When you have a guy that let's be honest, in big games, I'm going to do this again because it's at some point it's not just a storyline, it's like true i've witnessed it with my own eyes for the last five years big games aaron nola is not has not been great especially big games against the braves especially big games on the road against the braves if you were to throw him in game two with the phillies down one oh one in a in a three-game set against the braves on the road do you have any confidence i don't yeah i would not i would not be picking the phillies to win that game no so that's why I'm out on the whole, oh, with that one-two punch, anything can happen. Like, I don't think they would have any chance against either of those teams from the East, especially the I, Mets. I wouldn't I, – I would not say they don't have any chance. But, yeah, it's not likely that they would win. No. I don't know. If Nola's, like, good, he has good stuff. Like, if he threw a good start, like, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing of all time. Like, it's certainly – No, opponents. sure. But, I would throw him game one, but that's a different conversation. Yeah. I don't know. It's just – it's like I think we I think we joked like a lot of people joked like oh what if they you know had, after the Diamondback series like oh haha what if they like do it again and like you said they they're doing it again they uh-huh totally <laughs> so I I don't know we said before we were going to do the panic meter I think we're in agreement that it's 30 high yeah I okay 9 because the Brewers are so bad. <laughs> like they're probably, I'm probably 75% confident that they'll make the playoffs because the Brewers stink. If the Brewers yeah. didn't stink, or if there were five wow, five playoff spots, I'd be at a 10 or above. Yeah, I I don't think I think they're going to make the third wild card. Yeah. It's just like the same way that they as we talked about, find a way to score four runs in the fifth inning against the against the Blue Jays and still make it feel like a disappointing frame. Like it's the same exact thing. They're going to find a way to make the playoffs and still make it absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah. Like yes. there won't be any parties in the streets. There won't be any like it. Yeah. They might end the playoff drought, but it's not going to feel like it. And that's just, it's just disappointing. Cause I feel like the whole time for the last 11 years, it's been, Oh, and they finally like break this drought. It's going to be like, it's all, it's, it's all going to feel worth it. No, it's not. <laughs> no yeah. way. No way. It's going to feel worth it. Yeah. Uh, Wow, what a team. Yeah, so I wanted to discuss with you right now, we mentioned before that the team, they demoted Noah Syndergaard to the bullpen, and they're pairing him up with Wheeler for right now, and then I assume once Wheeler is a little more ready to go, Syndergaard becomes maybe a long man or 
maybe just like a regular middle reliever for an inning or two. But also, Kyle Gibson has mm-hmm. looked very, very bad. Gave up, what, seven runs against the Blue Jays? Mm-hmm. Seven runs in, in five innings. So it's like... And and a quick note about that. It was five runs after two innings, so the line probably would have been a lot worse. They just said, we're down 7-1, eight innings for us. And yes. then they came back and then they pulled him. So, so do yeah. you... Th- which one of those guys, personally, would you rather see in the rotation? And Kyle which Gibson. one? You think? I, I do. The reason I say that is the next week, week and a half or so, I guess his next start would be against the Braves, so this doesn't really count. But the next couple series after that are against the Cubs and the Nationals. And the one thing I will give him is he turns in the occasional gem against really bad teams. Noah Syndergaard, on the other hand, doesn't really feel like he does that there there might have been one game where he went like six innings one run seven innings two runs against i honestly forget who it was it might have, it was probably the marlins or the nationals or something like that outside of that it feels like he's he's more consistent like his his worst lines will probably be better than kyle gibson's worst lines yeah but one out of every five starts kyle gibson does pretty serviceable at least and usually it's a pretty good start and it usually happens against bad teams so for that reason only i would trust him more than noah Syndergaard. also like i don't know maybe there's more stuff for Syndergaard to tap into out of the pen i know he doesn't throw 98 still or even 96 but maybe the slider works better out of the pen where kyle gibson like do you see a wipeout pitch there i don't personally the changeup's no. okay but I would I would keep Gibson in the pen. I mean in the in the rotation, but it's not because of he's earned it, I guess. Yeah, because they don't have any other real options. If yeah. even if they if they make like a full playoff series at some point, do you think it's safe to say that all right, let's let's do this first. If they if they make the wild card series and they are like well rested. They can rest guys in that last mm-hmm. series. I think there's probably no chance Kyle Gibson's on the roster. You would you would want Suarez and Falter to pitch over him, right? Yeah. yeah. So if they make a full series and they need like four starters, most likely, right? If they if they make if they make the NL NLDS, like I still don't think Kyle Gibson is on the roster. No. Because they need like three or four starters, depending like on the workload of some of these guys. Unless you you think you might need a long relief option, but that's probably Zach Eflin anyway, or one of the other starters. So yeah, yeah. no, I don't think it's. Isn't it funny how each of the last two years they've been like, we're gonna trade for a mid rotation possible game three starter, and it's likely that when they finally make make the playoffs, like neither of them would even pitch in a three game series or a four game series. Yeah, I mean, sorry, but- five. Best of they in a best of seven. I don't even know if you keep him on the roster. Either Kyle Gibson, of them. Kyle Gibson has been pretty brutal for the Phillies like the last two Septembers. Yeah, he, he he fell off last year too. As of the bottom of the second yesterday, his September Phillies earned run average was eight point two nine. Yeah, it's rough. It got better since then. Uh, See a lot two runs in the next three innings. It's pretty bad. Yeah. All right. Do you have any any other things you want to hit on? Any any positive notes? I, we talked about Real Muto a little bit. 
he's just he's been incredible like the shining star on on this team for the entire second half yeah catches every game is absolutely on fire still at the plate five hits on on tuesday like i mentioned if if they any other any other catcher if they have like any other catcher in this second half like they might be tied with the brewers right now he's been that good yeah the combination credit to you once again I know. Early okay. July, what, Ty. What can Ty I goes, say? I think JT Realmid is going to be awesome in the second half. What? What can nice I work. say? Nice work. Thank you. All right. Do you have any other any other predictions, thoughts, or questions for me that you want to hit on? You usually, have some hypothetical or something like that for me as we wrap up. Yeah. Um. I guess thoughts. There was a lot of chatter this week about how it's only been the young guys contributing. Marsh, Maton, uh, who else had been good? I don't know. Stubbs hasn't really been Stott, all that much recently. Stott, yeah, Stott. Um, but that the veterans needed to do something yesterday, I guess. Real Mito, five for five. Encouraging sign, Schwarber, three on homer. Encouraging sign, think he had another hit too. And then in that fifth inning there, there's a point when they had scored two runs i think and hoskins and harper were coming up in big spots and you were kind of saying oh this would be a good time for them to turn it around at the at the plate get a statement hit or something and um ignite something out of this inning out of this game season etc hoskins hits a double down the line harper singles you know it wasn't a second deck home run but it was something that was okay at least they somewhat met the moment there however it all kind of got ruined when Harper was, you know, on third when the center fielder caught Bryson Stott's line out. So, yeah, I guess that's my most positive thought at the moment. They're about to play some some really bad teams. That's a good thing, I guess. The Cubs swept them, so I don't know how good it is, but I I think that was kind of fluky. The Nationals are, like, really bad. So, like, I think if you were to say the season comes down to they have to take three or four from the Nationals, which I know that isn't how the, how the schedule works out, but I think you would probably take that just because the Nationals are so bad. But, yeah. yeah, I don't know. They're on the road, so I guess you never know what can happen. The Cubs swept them, so you never know what can happen. Wheeler's coming back today. That'll be interesting to see how he does. They desperately need him in there. See how many innings he can go. They're going to pig- piggyback, like you said. I still trust Sir Anthony Dominguez. I think Friday was largely a fluke. So I think he and Robertson are pretty good back of the bullpen guys. The rest of the bullpen is in flames, but those are good. Zach Eflin, as I said, looks looks good. And that's all I got. How about Hector Neris on the mound for the Astros as they clinch? How about you love to see it? And the Phillies Phillies could use some bullpen help. Uh, Clearly, Hector Neris, they did not think they were in need of his services, but he's getting it done for the Astros. It would be um, kind of how poetic would it be if it comes down to this this last series in in Houston and Hector Neris is on the mound and shuts the Phillies down. <laughs> Do you think he would blow it? No, I don't. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> who, who 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 in the Phillies lineup is touching the splitter? Come on, uh, JT Realmuto. Yeah, that's about it. That's Great about low it. ball hitter. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, that's all. That's all I got. Good, good for Hector. Did you see his the post game interview with him? He was like pretty emotional. It was, was kind of nice to see. I didn't see it, but he, just he talking about that. like 
I don't know. He was like last year he gave an interview at some point, just like how he was hoping to get in the playoffs because he's been in Philly so long and uh like it would have been really important to him. So he was just talking about like that's why he went to Houston to get into the playoffs and and they clinched. So good guy's for been in the league since guy's been in the league since 2014. The, yeah. His first playoff appearance is his first year not on the Phillies. It's kind of like how Let's like that. The active games played without a playoff appearance. Number one is Gene Segura. Number two is JT uh, Real Muto. I think Michael Franco is like third or fourth. And then yeah. pitchers, I th- I'm I then with with pitchers, I'm pretty sure Wheeler Nola are one too. <laughs> yeah, wild. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. But it's all about to change because the Phillies got it done in September. Yeah. Or something. Right. I think. I think that's it for this episode as we, we wrap up with future Phillies Wall of Famer Hector Neris. Uh, the Phillies, like you said, one more with the Blue Jays than they have the Braves, but gets a little bit easier from there. So we will have to see how it goes, if they can take care of business to avoid blowing it. They're going to have to do it against these bad teams. So we'll be here to recap how it goes and, and give our thoughts and see, I don't know, how it how it feels when it when it's all over. So Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you next time.